The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, this is the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Peppy. And I'm Brandon Cork, and this is the WVU Sports Podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right. Hey, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube or follow us on Spotify, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Today, we are going to break down the Iowa State WVU matchup on this Saturday. So let's get into it. WVU takes on Iowa State in Ames, Iowa, and they are a six-point underdog. In fact, the last time I looked, uh, I think it even moved to seven points. And you heard that right. WVU is a six-point underdog to a team that is on a five-game losing streak. And, oh, by the way, Iowa State hasn't won a Big 12 conference game yet this year as well. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the game? I didn't realize that we were that big of an underdog. Holy crap. Um, Yeah, I mean, Vegas must know something's going on in that locker room that I don't, but... uh, I mean, this game should be a win for WVU. Should be. However, the circumstances that we're dealing with, with I think the coach clearly being on the hot seat, no one really knowing how much time he actually has left. Um, We don't know what the locker room's like, and we know his team performs on the road. There's just so many question marks, and there's so many different ways that this game could go that, me as a fan, even though I know that I think the product that WVU has is superior um, in almost every facet to to Iowa State, except for defensively. But offensively, you know, every weapon we have is superior to what um, Iowa State's going to throw out there. Um, and defensively, I think Iowa State's offense isn't that great, and our defense might be able to have one of our better performances in the game. But with all the different variables that are going on around outside of football itself, um, this is going to be a really interesting game because it could be a game where the players fight and we have a really good showing, or it could be a game where we just come out flat again and the players give up. Yeah, the biggest thing is it's it's a road game, and we've seen our last two road performances. They they have they were not good at all. And um, what's interesting is even though Iowa State's on a five-game losing streak, they have lost those five games by a combined 28 points. They, they've all been close with the exception of the Oklahoma game, and they only lost that game by 13. The rest of them have been three-point losses, seven-point losses. So it's not like they're getting blown out. Um, and like I said, they lost five straight by a combined of 28 points. Compare that to WVU, who just lost to Texas Tech recently by 38 points in one single game. So um, don't let their record fool you. I, I mean, I mean, they they keep it tight, and they, without a doubt, um, have the ability to have a big game Saturday. Um, but I could also see WVU coming out and playing well also. The saddest part is, no matter who wins, they are playing for last place in the Big 12. Um, so obviously this is a game we won as Mountaineer fans, 
but it's kind of sad that that is what they are playing for this late in the year. Um, but let's break it down. Let's get into WVU's offense versus uh, Iowa State's defense because this is going to be a very interesting matchup. First off, it's worth mentioning um, C.J. Donaldson is out for the year. He just had surgery, um, and Neil Brown said it's nothing that's going to keep him out for a, a super long time. Uh, like He'll be able to practice in the offseason, but that is going to end his season. And a lot of people expected that after the TCU game. Um, most were saying it was probably a significant injury even shortly after the game ended. But uh, it's still very, very disappointing to hear. So what are your thoughts on CJ um, being done after really an incredible freshman year? Yeah, I think it's, you know, him. Um, you know, obviously I think WVU and probably even him to an extent would have liked to have been eased into the, the role that he ended up getting into the past couple weeks um, more, especially after that concussion, because, you know, you can kind of see it whenever um, at the end of the Texas Tech game where he had to take all those snaps, his conditioning just wasn't up to par. Um, and that's no slight towards him. It's just, you know, last year he was in high school. Um, and it's a big jump. So um, it'll be good for him to be able to take the whole rest of the season off, work on, can work on, you know, recovering first, then conditioning, put some muscle on. Um, the one thing that, you know, I don't want to start any rumors or anything, but, you know, the one thing that, you always have to worry about is, you know, I know CJ got banged up in, in the first half of that, um, the TCU game and got there and he ended up getting re-injured again. Um, and he has had a lot heavier of a workload after that, con- after he did come back from that concussion. So I'm hoping that the relationship between him and the coaching staff for as long as they're the coaching staff here um, is still good. And he doesn't think about transferring elsewhere. Um just because that would be a huge loss. Um, I'm really hoping that he felt the love from WVU fans because we do really appreciate him. Um, and, you know, we get to see him at WVU for at least the next few years. Yeah, oh, I'm 100%. And um, as far as I know, like everything's still good there. But it, it does bring up the question, who's going to carry the load running the ball? Um, Tony Mathis, uh According to Neil Brown's press conference, we don't know whether he's going to play or not. It could come down to Justin Johnson and Jalen Anderson carrying a lot of the load. And I absolutely think they are capable. They're good players. Um, But it'll be interesting to see because, as we know, WVU's offense thrives when the run game is working. Um, And speaking of um, our offense, the passing game. I believe Reese Smith um, is injured as well. I heard somewhere that he broke his arm on that incredible catch that he made against TCU. So we might be seeing a heavy dose of Jeremiah Aaron out there in the passing game as well. Um, And and, and so the injuries are just piling up. Um, I believe I heard Gemitter is out as well. Wylam should play. Um, and, and so it's really, I know it's very cliche to say, but it's gotta be next man up mentality. Cause no one's going to feel sorry for you if you lose against Iowa state. Yeah. Yeah. And Iowa state, I mean, that the, the area you have to worry about the most is their defense. I mean, uh, they, they're top 10 in points per game allowed top 10 in yards against allowed. Um, they're top 25 in opponents, third down conversion rate. They're only allowing teams to convert at a 33% clip. Um, 
really good against the run, 3.3 yards per rush. Um, and they're holding teams to 174.1 yards per game in the air. Um, so, you know, as a unit, this group has done a great job, um, even five games into the Big 12 schedule, of really limiting their opponents and keeping them in the game because, you know, their offense is nowhere near as, you know, effective as what their defense ranks on a national scale. So this team is very defense driven. And, you know, we've seen what pretty mediocre to bad defenses have been able to do against WVU this year um, with Texas Tech and Texas. Um, Those were road games as well, remember. So um, those two defenses are nowhere near as good as what Iowa State brings to the table. So um, depending on which mountain your team shows up, uh, this group could really give WVU fits. They could. I mean, only allowing 16 points a game, under 300 yards per game. That Those are incredible stats, especially for a team that plays in the Big 12 Conference. Um, they, they still have familiar names as well. Will McDonald is the guy I instantly looked for because I remember covering this game last year, and, and he was – Amazing. But I looked, um, he's he only has three and a half sacks this season, which is pretty shocking because last year he had 11.5 and the year before that he had 10.5. So I'm shocked to see that his sack total has dropped off that much, um, even with the success that the team is having. If you're looking for one thing to um, to really think positive about in this game, Iowa State's defense likes to play a lot of zone. And if you ask me, that's good for West Virginia's offense, because as we know, the way to stop West Virginia's offense is to jam up those wide receivers and man coverage and send pressure. And that's not to say Iowa State won't do that. Um, They have good coaches. They they might um, adjust a lot and and know that that'll work and do it. But traditionally throughout this season, they do like to play that zone defense. And if they do, I could see JT Daniels having success against that. Yeah. Um, the one guy you do need to watch out for in the secondary, though, is TJ T- Tampa. Um, he's a guy who really stuck out to me as someone who could really pose fits for WVU. Um, he's only allowed one touchdown in the season. He's a big corner, which we know our receivers tend to struggle against, 6'2", 185. And he is a true, true lockdown corner. Not only has he allowed that one touchdown in the season, but Opposing receivers are only catching 48% of the targets thrown his way this year. So he is really good at making sure that the receivers aren't getting good looks at the ball, breaking up passes, things like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how Iowa State deploys him. And does he put, do they put him on Bryce for Wheaton's side? Do they put him on Caden Prather's side? And if that affects how WVU plans on attacking the Iowa State defense. Yeah, one thing I heard Neil Brown mention in his press conference, which I'm glad I heard him say it, it's easy to say it, but I hope we see it, is he said he wants WVU to start fast. Um, He's going to throw basically the kitchen sink at him early um, and and try to get some scores early, which is what you want to hear. And I feel like they did that against TCU last week as well. Like we said on a a podcast we just did, recapping that game, they used a lot of motion early. They they were very creative in their play calling, whereas we didn't see a lot of that in the second half versus TCU. Um, So although I do want them to kind of throw out all of the trickery and creativeness early, I hope that they just don't go back to that very dull vanilla offense in the second half against Iowa State. Because as we know, um, 
you know, although Iowa State's offense struggles, they can definitely creep back in this. We, we've had our fair share of defensive problems. And so that's one thing I'm looking for. For four quarters, I want to see West Virginia use motion, be creative, and not be so predictable on offense. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's going to be key. You can't turn it on and off. You know, you, you got to go four quarters. You got to, you know, figure out ways to implement these little wrinkles that you're putting in not just for the first quarter of the game or script for straight drives or anything like that. You know, you got to be flexible. And as a, an offensive play caller, you got to be able to dial up different things in different situations and adjust whenever Iowa State adjusts. Because, you know, with how good this Iowa State defense is, you know that those wrinkles that you start out with at the beginning of the game are not going to be available in the second, third, and fourth quarters you're going to have to prepare counters for those plays. You're going to have to anticipate what they're going to do. And you're going to have to have those in your back pocket and deploy them when needed. Um, You know, you can't use them too soon. You can't do it in anticipation. You you just got to go out there and be just basically be a good football coach. I mean that, that just, I just said be a good football coach in a nice way, but um, to be blunt about it, just be a good football coach. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. And if you guys aren't familiar with Iowa State's defense, they they like to have a three-man front and and bring down that extra safety. That really helps in stopping the run. And so using motion can really maybe make that guy freeze, make him um, you know switch where his eyes are for a minute, which could free up your halfback. Or if you're giving the guy in motion, maybe um, give him an extra step. And so there's just so many advantages to doing that with your offense. So that's really what I'll be looking for. And um, yeah, another thing is, I, obviously, JT Daniels had good stats last week. But if you watch the game, I did not think JT played up to his full potential. I mean, there was a play he missed Bryce Ford Wheaton streaking down the sideline wide open. There was a play where he threw it horribly to James, Sam James. Um, so much so that Sam James kind of had to turn his body around the opposite way and the TCU defender just tackled him because it was such a weird movement and we got a pass interference call, but it was a terrible throw. We talked about how his two fade passes um, inside the 10 yard line weren't very catchable balls on our last podcast. And so I'm really looking for JT to have a big day to really prove to everyone that he is a a great quarterback because um, we all thought that coming in and he's definitely played well this year, but in recent weeks, he has just had a lot of moments that um, are, are making people question how good he is. And so I think this is a perfect opportunity against the bona fide defense for him to step up, even though our running backs are hurt and really take over and have a good game. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see him bounce back and, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a great game. You know, I would like to just see him be efficient, take care of the ball. You know, um, I, I would like to see the offensive coordinators, you know, just trust him more too, instead of relying so much on screens um, and, and kind of these short passes, let him work the middle of the field, let him work the intermediate routes. I think that's where he's best at. And we've talked about it before. They don't do that too often. Um, but, you know, I think that's an area where, you know, if you just let him get out there, do what he's good at, um, do basically kind of what he was doing against Pitt, and um, I think we'll be okay. You know, you can still use the screens, you can still use those quick outs, but um, you just can't be predictable with them. Yeah, 
I'm with you 100. percent Um, you ready to dive into Iowa State's offense? Uh, oh, one more point on Iowa State's defense. I wanted to highlight real quick. One more player. Um, Colby Reader. Um, is a linebacker. Um, he's another name to know and watch out for. He's kind of a jack of all trades in that defense. He only has 18 tackles on the season. Um, but he's good in coverage and he's a solid pass rusher as well. Um, teams are only completing about 62% against him. Um, when he drops back in coverage, he's only allowed 74 yards on the season and he has two picks. Um, he's good against, he's a solid pass rusher when he does rush. So dual threat there. He has four quarterback hits, two sacks, eight pressures. And he's also really effective against the run. Um, so he, he's a guy who could really disrupt West Virginia's offense if we don't account for him and kind of understand where he's at in the the defense, because a guy like that you have to watch out for, especially with his size at 6'4", 240. Um, if he's dropping back and with his ability to cover some of those um, inside slot guys, um, if he's blitzing over and over again, you're trying to count for him then, and all of a sudden he drops off into the flat, you got to know where he's at so you're not throwing picks. Um, and with the two picks he has on the season, you know, you know he has the hands to, to make a play when needed. So um, it's someone you have to account for. And in college football, you don't have a lot of guys who are – at linebacker who are decent in coverage. So um, I feel like sometimes offensive coordinators and quarterbacks kind of take advantage of those more um, less adept linebackers. Um, so he, he's someone that WVU needs to have in their game plan so that they can ensure that we can um, account for him. Yeah. Yeah. And since you brought up interceptions, uh, another thing that I really hope to see this game is that WVU takes advantage of any turnovers that they might get. We saw how that much that cost them in the TCU game. And um, yeah, I, I think the turnover battle is going to play even more of an impact this game than it normally would. Um, so let's get into Iowa State's offense versus WVU's defense. WVU is allowing 34 points a game this year, which is crazy to even see that stat. But um, Iowa State, luckily for us, does struggle a lot on offense. They have Hunter Deckers, who is, um, I believe he's a redshirt sophomore, but this is his first year of being the starter and seeing a ton of action. He actually has 14 touchdowns and leads the Big 12 with 10 interceptions. And so he's definitely prone to um, giving one away here or there, which is good news for us. But the scary thing is, is he has some good guys to throw to. He has Xavier Hutchinson, who leads the nation in targets with 114. And um, a pretty good complimentary guy as well is Jalen Noel. Um, and so two Two very dangerous guys we got to worry about. Um, so what do you think about Iowa State's offense? Yeah, so um, just to kind of high-level overview, go over what, what they bring to the table. And like you said, it's not great. 110th in points per game, 90th in yards per game. Um, the one thing that surprised me without watching a ton of Iowa State was that, you know, for being a team that doesn't score much, doesn't move the ball much, they're a team who passes the ball a ton. They pass the ball 60% of the time, which is the seventh highest rate in the NCAA. And their run game is atrocious, might be the nice way to say it. Um, 3.9 yards per rush and 86 rushing yards per game. So this is an offense that can't score, yet they rely extremely heavy on their passing game. 
Um, it's really strange, especially for a team who's as defensive minded as Iowa State. I mean, you think of teams who want to play a more defensive game as teams who want to run the ball more and be a little bit more safe with the ball. Iowa State's just kind of bucking that trend. And um, I don't know, it's kind of a horse of a different color. So, um, yeah, I, I, at a high level, I don't really know what to make of Iowa State's offense because it kind of contradicts everything that you see from them on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it seems like their offense is basically just toss it up to Hutchinson and hope he comes down with it. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. why he leads the nation in targets. And like you said, their their run game is awful. They they have uh, their their leading halfback is Brock, who has uh, about 400 yards on the year. And then after that, it's just I mean, they, they have really no one else to give the ball to. And he only has two touchdowns. So, yeah, the, I mean, their their rushing game struggles mightily. And WVU is pretty decent at stopping the run. So that is not something I fear at all. Um, their, their passing game, I do a little bit because Hutchinson is definitely a guy who can do damage. Hopefully Charles Woods um, gets heated up like he did against TCU. I thought Charles Woods had a very good game against TCU. And if he can take Hutchinson – out of the game, I could see our defense actually having a lot of success against Iowa State. Um, Hutchinson on the year has uh, 77 catches, over 800 yards, five touchdowns. So he is a monster. Um, but we do have to worry about is the other guy I talked about, Jalen Noel. Um, much like TCU, we took out their best offensive weapon and um, and and they just made us hurt by going to their second and third options. And Jalen Noel has um, 400 yards, three touchdowns. He could sneak in there and do some damage if uh, we're not careful. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're only averaging 22 points. This is, I mean... WVU's defense played so well in the second half against TCU. I would love it if they kind of rode that wave into this game and just had a good day and really just, um, I don't know, hopefully give us a little bit of hope of winning three of these last four games. I'm glad you led, uh, you, you led with that because I wanted to jump into Hunter Deckers next. And again, with the trend that is Iowa State, um, just kind of bucking anything that makes any logical sense. Um, Hunter Deckers, um, you know, or first with WVU, they had success at the end of the TCU game with blitzing. Hunter Deckers actually has thrown all 10 of his picks this season when he has not been blitzed. Whenever he is being blitzed, he is six. He actually is actually completing 61% of his passes with nine touchdowns, 642 yards, and no picks. Um, so it's really strange. Um, he also, this team also doesn't throw screens, even though that they're only averaging like, what is it? Um, 6.4 yards per pass. They've only thrown 32 screen plays this game this year. So on 320 attempts. So Hunter Deckers is kind of a weird quarterback to kind of evaluate too, because Every quarterback that I've looked at that we've played this season has been abysmal under pressure. And apparently under Deckers, you just throw blitzes at him and he just shreds them. So I, it kind of contradicts what I want WVU to do because I want WVU to play more than blitz. But the data says that if you do that against Hunter Deckers, he's just going to throw touchdowns and shred you to pieces. So um, I'm not exactly sure what WVU should do, because if we drop eight, we've seen what that does. And 
Um, I don't know if that means Hunter Deckers is going to throw picks into that or if he's going to buck the trend and somehow be better whenever he is not being blitzed. That might Very be strange. the best news. Uh, Jordan Leslie has heard all season long. <laughs> <laughs> Rush three, drop eight back. Um, and even though we keep calling for them to blitz, I'm still on board with that because most of the success WVU had in the second half, they were blitzing and putting pressure on Max Duggan. That's, that's how um, they were disrupting their passing game. And so even though Deckers, which, I mean, he's an enigma, if, if, if that's true. I mean, he has all 10 interceptions when no one's blitzing him. Like, yeah, how's that possible? PFF, so I don't, I, I mean, unless they're just way off on their data. <laughs> Uh, that, unbelievable. That's wild. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I still hope um, we get rid of that strategy because not only do we drop eight back, we just play so far off the line of scrimmage. People just dink and dunk us effortlessly and our secondary is not good enough to hang back there too long. And then we just get beat deep over the middle. We've seen that time and time again. And so I really do hope they just dial up the pressure and try to wreck this offense who has struggled all year. And, um, but we'll see. It's such an interesting matchup because they're just complete opposites. Our defense has been abysmal all year. Their offense has been all year. Our, you know, their defense has been unstoppable all year. Our offense, I mean, it's been pretty good. I wouldn't say it's unstoppable, but it's been pretty good. So it's just such an interesting matchup. And I'm actually looking forward to watching this game. I think it's going to be a good chess match. Yeah, definitely. And I also wanted to talk about Jarrell Brock real quick, too. I know, you know, his stats aren't super um, impressive, but, you know, kind of talk about him in the offensive line in the same sentence is that, you know, their off- uh, Iowa State's offensive line isn't very good, um, but they're okay at the interior. Um, and that kind of reflects in what Jarrell Brock has been able to do. Um, when they're running anywhere, else um but the middle they're only averaging like three yards per carry but when they're running right up the middle behind the guards um Jarrell Brock is averaging 8.5 yards per carry on 28 attempts he's also forced 13 missed tackles out of the 20 total missed tackles he has all season when he's running up the middle as well um so you know it's just something to keep an eye on there he's also averaging 2.8 yards after contact and I think he's as a player is averaging like 4.6 yards per carry. So over half of his yards are coming after contact. It kind of goes to show that the offensive line isn't exactly a strong piece. Um, They've only allowed eight sacks, but they've also allowed 101 pressures um, on the offensive line. Um, And I think some of that reflects on Hunter Decker's ability to move. Um, He's not someone who's going to shred you running, but he's someone who is mobile, who will get out of the pocket and will um, get out of danger. And I think that may um, feed into some of his picks too when he's not being blissed is um, I think he can get some happy feet and maybe run when he doesn't need to, um, which ends up to him just throwing up bad passes. So um, he's young. Um, as we all know, with WVU and young quarterbacks, we are prone to making them look like future NFL MVPs. So um, just because he is mistake prone, just because, you know, he does seem like someone who WV could pick on a little bit. Um, don't take that for granted because he could end up having a career game. 
Yeah, the way I've heard Decker's described is people have said he's average at everything and great at nothing. And so he, he's got an okay arm. He can move around, but he's not going to you know run all over the field. He's not going to sling an 80-yard pass on the button. Uh, you know, So um, hearing that gives me some hope. And looking at um, Brock's rushing stats, it looks like he has done all of his damage in the first five games. And his mm-hmm. last four games, he has under 100 total yards and zero touchdowns in four combined games. Um, pretty rough stats there. In fact, he didn't even reach 75 yards. So, yeah, that, that's really rough stuff right there. Um, so... And I like WVU's rush defense. I really do. I, I see them having success. I know I'm kind of talking myself into WVU's defense having a good game, which is unheard of. So I should probably because, <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that it's hard to believe. But when you look at how bad Iowa State's offense is, um, as long as they take out Xavier Hutchinson, that, that really seems like the only real, real threat. But uh, we'll see. It's easy to say that out loud. They got to prove it on game day. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you're bringing pressure on Deckers, um, you can't really be deliberate about it. I think you need to disguise a little bit more against him because it seems like the reason why he's not throwing picks against blitzes is because you kind of know where the people are vacating and you can just throw it behind it. Um, if you can disguise it, you can confuse him a little bit. He is a younger quarterback, doesn't have a ton of experience. That might be something you can you can prey on a little bit. Um, I'm interested to see what Leslie ends up doing because it's kind of been head-scratching at times as to what um, they're seeing that we're not. I know there have been several games this year, and we, we aren't football coaches. We don't claim to be. But, you know, the data says that quarterbacks are terrible against pressure, and we refuse to pressure them. Um, so... I'm not exactly sure why we, we kind of tend to employ that strategy when playing cover eight really isn't working. Right. And I think it all depends on situations um, naturally. I mean, that just seems like common sense when it's third and three, get up on the line of scrimmage and, and pressure the backfield. Whereas even when it's third and three, it seems like Leslie has his guys five yards off of the wide receivers and sometimes he'll bring heat and sometimes he doesn't. I just don't understand why they're always so willing to give such a huge buffer zone, even on short yard situations. It's, uh, it really is head scratching. But, I mean, we're seeing now how big having Charles Woods hurt half this year has been because he was really able to shut down um, Johnston for the most part in that TCU game. I mean, he still had like 70 yards and a big play. Um but, I mean, I, I, I thought he played pretty well for – I'm pretty sure he's still not even 100%. And it, it just gives Jordan Leslie more confidence to blitz, even though we've been saying blitz no matter what. Um, it does give him more confidence to do that. And so hopefully in these last four games we do see somewhat of an improvement from the defense with Woods being out there. Yeah, and I think um, – I don't think the – the cushion thing is a Jordan Leslie thing. I think that's, I mean, for, for as long as I've been a fan, we've been fans for WVU. I, I, I don't know. Jeff Castile has done it. Um, Tony Gibson has done it. I don't know what it is about us just creating some artificial cushion that's well past the first down marker. Um, but I think what it's, it would allow it to work from those other teams perspectives is 
we would give those cushions, but we would blitz while we were giving those cushions. And we would also have our cornerbacks be a little bit more aggressive. And, you know, you would start out with that cushion, but you would attack forward instead of backpedaling. Um, I don't feel like Jordan Leslie is kind of employing that part. He's trying to combine two separate strategies into one. And it just ends up into like, you're throwing into like a big pillow where you're just throwing it up and you're relying on someone to make a tackle. And we have so many holes in our secondary that half the time someone doesn't make the tackle. So it just makes it worse. Um, You know, you you like to think that that umbrella you're putting over the top is going to keep things in. But when you only have one guy back there, who's capable of making a tackle, um, you're just prone to big plays. So I'm really hoping we see something a little bit different. I mean, um, it was encouraging at the beginning of the year, especially against Virginia Tech, where we were coming out with different fronts and being creative and things look good. And um, apparently we used all of our creative energy for that Virginia Tech game, which I don't think we really had to do. <laughs> Sadly no. to say. <laughs> I, I mean, it's honestly shocking we didn't win that game by more after seeing how bad Virginia Tech has been throughout this whole year. I mean, we scored 31 points on them. Which, hey, 31 points is good, but uh, looking back on it, you probably should have got more in that game because Virginia Tech is god-awful this year. Um, But with all that being said, do you have a prediction for the Iowa State game? Um, I'm going to say that WVU, I'm going to go a little detailed here. I'm going to say WVU goes down 17-3 to at halftime. And I'm going to say they come back and win 24 to 20. Wow. That is not where I thought you would go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I don't see this team being able to win a comeback game. I I think for them to have any chance, they got to keep it close or be front runners going into the half. Um, With all that being said, I think WVU wins this game by the score of 27 to 21. Um, but to do that, like we kind of talked about earlier, I, I think they're going to have to create turnovers and get points out of it. And I'm not talking about three points when you got the ball in the red zone on a turnover. I'm not talking about getting zero points when you get a turnover at midfield. Um, they're going to have to capitalize on it because um, – Iowa State's defense is tough, and if you get them in a bad situation, you got to make them pay for it. We learned that the hard way against TCU. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a game that WVU should win. Again, you know, if I had to put money on it, I would put it anywhere else but this game because you don't know which WVU is going to show up. I mean, it should be easy for WVU to cover, you know, a seven-point spread against this Iowa State team, but – you know, even Vegas knows how dysfunctional we are right now. And, um, you know, this could be the straw that breaks the camel back if they end up losing this game, because then the only way you get to six wins is by beating Kansas State, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State back to back to back. Yeah, and we all know that's not going to happen. So many people are saying the Oklahoma State game is winnable this year, and I agree it is. But if you don't get this one, I'm not even sure it is because um, you got to get this one, then you got to get Oklahoma, and then you got to pray for WVU to knock off K State or Oklahoma State, which I mean, I'm not even sure they're going to be able to do that. But uh, 
you know, we've talked about it, how huge this game is. Everyone's saying Neil Brown is coming back next year, no matter what. If they come out and lay an egg this game, um, I'm not so sure. I, I, th- I think donors are going to start um, really getting on Shane Lyons, and uh, and you're going to see those ticket sales for the the last couple games just really plummet, and I think that's going to speak volumes. So I think this is a big game. I think Neil Brown knows it's a big game. He talks about how much he's going to change the approach heading into this for a road trip. Um, and we shall see. And the, my biggest concern is we talked about it on the previous podcast. Our fans are just checking out. They're kind of becoming numb to losing. They're losing their desire to attend games or even watch it. And uh, when you're hearing that, you know, that information has to be trickling back to the higher ups at WVU. And obviously that's not what you want to hear when you got to sell tickets and, and make money. And honestly, you know, I, I joked about it. Um, I don't know if it was this past game or a few games ago, but um, you know, about how, you know, just us covering it. I know it's a, such a minutia thing, but um, it makes it harder for us too, because it's hard for me, at least personally to like resist the urge to just explain every issue that we're having as, firing the head coach because it seems like we've been saying the same things over and over and over again. And I know no one in the organization listens to us, so that's insignificant, but you know, we're not the only one saying it, Um, you know, and it's not even just us irrelevant podcasters in the West Virginia, you know, YouTube and podcasting community, you know, you have some real, college football and analysts on ESPN and things like that. Now saying things like this as well. Um, and you know, if you, for anyone who watches the games on TV, you know, the announcers are saying these things during the games as well. Um, it's not a good look for the university and it's not a good look for the program. And um, I just don't understand how clueless some of, you know, Neil Brown can be to, to the things that we're all seeing, you know, and as much as we want to turn a blind eye and support him and, root for the stability of the program um it just doesn't do anyone else any good and it, it's frustrating because I, I think most of us um are just so used to seeing wv winning that this is kind of a foreign concept yeah i'm with you and obviously it's easy to recognize a problem the real the the real talented people are the ones who find solutions however i'm not really seeing a change in approach which is the most concerning thing for WVU fans. It, it, like you said, it seems like we come on here every week. We talk about the same problems and how they're not being addressed. Um, I mean, how many times have we said we need to see more motion on offense? And when they do, it's successful. How many times did we say they need to you know, show more blitz and, and more pressure on the quarterback? And when they do, it's successful. So, um you know, it, it just seems like obvious stuff that's just not being addressed. And that's the most concerning part for all of us is, um, you know, obviously the solution isn't always easy, but um, it doesn't even seem like we are heading in the right, right direction to solve it. Yeah. No, no, and I think we should end with this um, just to let everyone sneak, uh, you know, let, let it sink into for everyone. But, you know, it's a cliche that, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and think you'll get different results. Yep. Nailed it. 
GR4, guys. Give us your score <laughs> predictions in the comments, and hopefully we're on here next week sounding a little happier. Thanks, guys. For sure. Thanks, everyone.